This is the Bride Chilla Podcast. It used to be called the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Same host, better jokes, new name. Enjoy the show. Have you got a pre-wedding checklist? Do you know what you'll be doing in the two weeks prior to your wedding? How many people will be contacting you, asking you lots of questions? These are all the things that I will be talking to you today on the Bride Chiller Podcast. I'm Alicia, the host of the show, and I thought we would take a bit of a journey into the future. It may be the distant distant future. It may be next week when you are getting hitched. But this show, Bride Chiller Podcast, is all about helping you prepare for your wedding in a very chilled, easygoing way. And I thought that we would fast forward into the future and hopefully give you some tips, lists, and good times to prepare yourself for the oncoming wedding and uh, just get you prepared for the little things that you might not remember to do. But if you think about them now, even if you're getting hitched in one year's time, this will be good for you. I've tentatively titled this episode eight last minute wedding planning to do's, but I feel like I'm going to go over the eight. I've got a big long list and I feel like whatever I can cram into this next half an hour, I will help you as much as humanly possible. I am not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to get moving and make sure we have lots and lots and lots and lots of tips. And uh, I think you'll be enjoying this episode of the show. It's going to be jam-packed full of information. Stop promising, start delivering. Alicia McCormack, come on. The first tip I want to just put out there right now is no matter what you were doing in regards to having a coordinator, a wedding planner, a very good friend whom you trust to uh, keep a schedule and making sure everything's being done. You need to make sure that you have communicated all the information with this one person. I cannot reiterate this enough. I know a lot of people are like, we'll just wing it on the day. And I'm not even shitting you. People like, I have, I get emails, I have voice messages where people are like, I'm not going to put the money into getting, you guys don't talk like this. I'm not going to put the money into a coordinator because I think it's just easier to create an Excel spreadsheet and just give it to my Aunt Daphne. She'll do it. Now, if Aunt Daphne has all her various mental capabilities, perhaps it will work. I believe in Aunt Daphne. She's lived. She's lived a long life. She knows what she's doing. She's probably tough as nuts and gets shit done. But the important thing is, whoever you are allocating this task to, to be your your point of contact for the day, they need to know that they're the point of contact and they need to be given information way before your wedding day. I think you should start looping them in. Now, I'm not saying every freaking email with vendors, but I think that they need to have an idea about what uh, the plan is, when things are going to be happening, and also if you have got time in the weeks before the wedding to meet up with them And this, obviously, if you have a professional coordinator or a wedding planner, this will not be a problem. This is exactly what they're paid for. But if you are choosing a family or friend member person, then it's important to schedule a meeting with them and make sure you go through that itinerary and that checklist and CC them in on important emails and don't overwhelm them, but make sure that you go through point by point to say, hey, this is what we're planning to do. If shit goes wrong, here's the backup. So they aren't running to you on the day. It's important if it is Aunt Daphne. And again, no disrespect to Aunt Daphne. She's a cracking bird. I have no doubt about it. It's important that you know that she is able to handle anything that comes at any time. 
You don't want someone that's good in the moment, but then panics and then just comes to you and goes, solve the problem. I don't, I don't want to let you down. I've just freaked out. I just, I, I just need to hand the problem to you because then that's a waste of time. It really is. So I think you need to think very strategically like a survivor contestant about who you want to solve your problems and who won't come and bother you and who you trust if there is a problem. I'm not saying there's going to be a problem. Just take a deep breath. There won't be a problem, but you want someone that can not lose their shit if there is. That is point number one. Allocate, 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 choose in advance and make sure you have a special meeting. Number two, don't do what I do or did and that is write your wedding speech the morning of the wedding. Now, I was pretty cocky. I'm going to admit to you all that as a writer, as a comedian, as a performer, I'm like, mm, I, I got this. I've, I've totally got this. Now, this is probably one of the most important gigs of my life. And I think of all the hours that I've spent rehearsing and writing and making sure that uh, my pauses and uh, the <laughs> actions that I do on stage are correct. And this is the moment that really has the most meaning out of any performance. And I use the quote performance. This is like something from the heart. This is real. And I'm not saying I just, I just was like winging it, but I really sat down. I had a quiet moment in our wedding venue. We were putting out plates or something. And Rich was somewhere else and I thought, oh, fucking hell, I better sit down and get this shit sorted. This is a major confessional, my friends, because I've had so many wonderful, 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 wonderful people on the show who have advised against exactly what I'm talking about. Now, obviously, we had our vows prepared because our wonderful uh, celebrant had helped us write them. She put it all together. But... I knew I had to make this speech. I wanted to make this speech. I knew what I wanted to say. I just hadn't written it. And also, I thought this is one of those things I could just dot point and just get in the zone at the time. Which even for someone that does this quite a lot, like speaks professionally in front of people, is a shit idea. And I actually felt that morning a bit like a shit bloke because I'm like, listen, you put all this effort into this wedding. You spend hours and hours preparing comedy festival shows. You practice over and over again. This is a big speech get your shit together. To which I did, but I regret not writing that speech a little bit more concisely. And I think I pulled it off in the end, of course, but I would have liked to have had more of a chance to stand at home and stand in front of the mirror and go through some of the points and make sure some of the jokes worked and really make it happen. This is actually literally what I did. I had this idea <laughs> That Well, Rich and I have this bit of a habit. Well, we did have a habit. When Mad Men was on television and the theme tune started to play. Everyone knows this. Even if you've not watched Mad Men, you know this theme. So when the drums would come in, I would play air drums and Rich would pretend to do the violins. <laughs> it's so silly. Damn, it's a really good theme. So it was like this big thing. If whatever we were doing when we were watching, we would drop all our shit and we would air musical 
instrument those. It's a very silly couple thing. I'm sure everyone's got their own shit like that. And I thought on the day, you know what? I need the Mad Men theme because I'm going to play that at the speech and we're all going to, Rich and I will do what we do and we'll do a bit of a joke. But of course, I didn't have the Mad Men theme. And we were in the middle of the bush, like we were out in the middle of nowhere. So I hotspotted my phone to my computer, like desperately trying to find this piece of music, which I ended up getting. It probably cost me a fortune in download fees. But, you know, I left it to the last second. Don't do that. I do a lot of the things that I do say to do, but don't do that. Be prepared. Number three is rando, and it's probably for the ladies only. It's not. I'm not going to get weird. I'm not talking vaginal stuff. Uh, but I just joked. I just laughed at me saying vaginal. I mean, what a child. Hair removal, right? Here's a weird one. But I was thinking a lot about beauty techniques because over the past couple of episodes, I've been talking a bit about makeup and we had uh, the lovely lady that was on a couple of weeks ago that had her eyelash extensions go a bit wrong because she was allergic to the glue. This stuff happens. Hair removal is one of those things that if you don't do it, you know, closer to the date, you might have hair. Maybe you want hair. I'm pro having hair or not having hair. But if you are going to do a shave or a wax, make sure that you time this at an appropriate juncture so you don't have some sort of breakout. So if you're using deodorant, uh, hopefully you're using deodorant. Wear a deodorant for the love of God. Even if you've got to use the hippie deodorant, put something on. You don't want to be a stinky bride or a groom. No stink. Just put a deodorant on. My point is, if you are doing a tan, if you are shaving, if you're waxing, make sure you time that stuff out so you're not coming out in some sort of Harvey rashy, bumpy weirdness. And also, if you are tanning over it, you don't have to tan. Don't feel pressure to tan. But a lot of people tan. If you are tanning, make sure that you have a bit of a practice run to see when you can shave or wax before the tan how far you can extend the tan afterwards and what affects it. Easy. Peasy. So the next tip, it does relate a little bit back to finding your special helper that's going to make sure everything goes smoothly. But it's an extension of this idea that you have a plan B, you have a backup. I know how many times I have said this and my lovely guests have said, but you got to have a plan B, bitches. You got to have something to do in case it rains or hurricanes or storms or snows. I don't know if you come from a place where there are weather extremes. I live in London and this place changes changes bloody temperature and season every three and a half minutes. God forbid you plan an outdoor wedding in London. I know lots of people do it, but you've got to have a backup plan. I go back, I actually go back in my little mind grapes here to remember an interview I did with Charlie Beard, the gorgeous Charlie Beard. She runs a blog called London Bride, one of my faves. It's stunning. She's a wedding planner. She's a former TV person like me. I'm not former. I'm still current. But she left TV to do wedding planning, running her business and a blog. It's fabulous. But I still remember doing this interview with her and her saying, you would not believe how many people go into some sort of weird denial, a real sense of denial about having to have a plan B. I remember her saying they just don't want to talk about it. They don't even want to think that something different will happen. And also, sometimes having a plan B will cost you extra money. But therefore, this is a bit of a weird one. Circular motion here. We need to think about this. Having the plan B might cost you extra money to have perhaps a backup of uh, potentially a marquee, which I know is very expensive, or a building that you could maybe pay a little extra money to say, if it rains, can we come and have canapes under your 
Ganapay. <laughs> I apologize deeply for laughing at my own shitty joke, but it's good to have something, a backup plan, somewhere you can go. And I just, it always has stayed with me. Poor Charlie saying, yeah, I'm a wedding planner that has to then convince people that I do have the right advice. I'm not trying to rip them off. I gain nothing except for sanity of having them talk about the plan B. Number five is find someone that you trust who's probably not going to get too smashed or hammered or wasted or whatever you want to say. And someone that can go through and do last minute checks after everyone's going to leave the venue. This is someone that you trust to go and swoop up, I don't know, your presence. Perhaps people have got a wishing will or some sort of cash deposit situation. This is someone that you trust that can take home. Maybe they've got a car or they're going to get a cab, but can take home all of this stuff because you don't want to be hanging around uh, collecting it all, but you also want to, make, want to make sure that your gifts and extra bits and pieces will be collected by someone. Now, often this is parents or relatives, but again, it's all about communicating and making sure that someone knows that that's their job. Because if you don't tell someone, it's probably going to be the last of the stragglers who are probably like, that's my drunk noises, uh, and go, what the fuck, what's this fucking... What's these gifts here for? And then they go home or they sell them on eBay. So I do think it's important just to think before you uh, make too many decisions, you don't have to do this now, but the week of the wedding, just to say to someone, hey, uh, Uncle Phil, would you be able to collect all the gifts and the envelopes for us and uh, return them to a safe place? Thank you. Phil is clearly married to Daphne. Or Daphneen. Daphneen is not a real word. That is not a real, that's not a real name. Somewhere it is though. I reckon I've got a good another five tips in me. So keep listening and I shall reveal all after this short break. Today's episode is all about helping you think of the last minute planning things that you sometimes forget to do that are quite important. I think this is number five. It could be number six. Who cares? Let's just keep on moving. Are you going on a honeymoon directly after your wedding? Perhaps you have a day off or two to get all your stuff together. Maybe you are traveling from your wedding venue and hopping on a plane and going somewhere gorgeous and sunny and sandy. Oh, delish. Maybe you are taking a big break and you are perhaps putting off the honeymoon to later down the track so you can extend the wedding celebrations. Also a good idea. If you are, though, traveling from your wedding destination, here's a couple of things that I think people often forget about. The first is in a similar vein to what I uh, was just talking about before we uh, went to the break. Sounds like I'm doing some sort of radio show before we went to the break. And that is if you are going away on a plane, you need to figure out where your wedding dress, accessories and all that other stuff is going. Hopefully, you can offload it to a parent, a friend, someone with a car that can drive it away and put it in a cupboard for you to forget about for the next 23 years. Don't do that. Sell the dress. Move on with your life. If you don't have someone to go and transport that, you need to think a little bit about where you'll be leaving the dress or if you maybe will be shipping it home or you can leave it at a hotel. Just make sure you figure out where that's going because you don't want to be dragging a wedding dress to you a tropical destination or skiing or whatever you're doing, you lucky, lucky person. The other thing to do is to make sure, and this is obvious, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past a lot of people listening. If they're going somewhere that requires identification that is in date, just check when it's expiring. 
passports are quite hard to replace or expensive to replace at the last minute. Have you thought about preparing a wedding day? I hate saying emergency kit because it sounds really dramatic and unnecessary, but a wedding day something kit that I'm going to come up with a better, sexier name for it because everyone's talking about emergency kit. And I think it's actually just a day uh, that you might require things that you don't necessarily have with you at the occasion. I did a Facebook Live about this recently because someone asked me to go through some of the things that I would add to a pack, like a little bathroom bag or a box or a big suitcase, if you so wish. Don't overpack, don't overthink it. They're really basic things that I would suggest that you take along. And what works well if you are in a hotel or somewhere that's not your home base and you don't have access to the medicine cupboard or you don't have access to a pharmacy or some sort of uh, Walgreens or Boots or bloody Priceline if you're in Australia, wherever. I just named three pharmacies in three different countries. Bam. But it's good to have some stuff on hand just in case. So look, easy things like the lipstick that you're going to be wearing. If you have a makeup artist and you've done a trial, I always suggest that you purchase the lipstick that you'll be wearing on the day because then you can do touch-ups and you don't have to uh, buy it from a makeup artist. Often they are very reluctant to be giving away their stuff because it's their stock. It's what they need to be using to put on other people's faces. And it's important to wear the lipstick before the day so you know uh, how it looks, how it feels, how long it's going to last. I wanted to say that I have in my little hand here something I've been meaning to mention and I haven't, so I'm going to. I was given this this magic stuff, listen to it, sounds weird, in a goodie bag at some event I went to and then I started using, it's called Lip Coat, L-I-P-C-O-T-E, and it is a lip lipstick sealer so basically you pop your lipstick on and then you paint lip coat over the top and it really makes sure that the lipstick stays on now you might be wearing a lipstick that's like a mac or one of these sort of more pricey lipsticks that really stays on i know i i used a mac lipstick on the day and i reapplied it maybe twice in the 12 hour period look pretty good but if you want to perhaps use a lipstick that hasn't got as long a lasting feel then I would say to search out one of these great sealants I'll have to say I have no affiliation with this product but I think I've been using it when I've been wearing quite a bright lipstick that isn't necessarily a long lasting lipstick and I've been sealing it with this and it's been really good your lips do get a little bit dry but don't fear looks good for the makeup looks good for the uh, the photographs there's the idea in the it's a lip coat l-i-p-c-o-t-e just so you know in the emergency kit i would also put uh safety pins because safety pins are something that can hook anything together if something falls apart something splits and not just you it could also be your lovely bridesmaids your mother-in-law your mum someone has something that doesn't want to stay together you can hook it together and it's fine the same goes for bobby pins, grip slides, whatever you want to call them. They are also really handy if you are having a hair crisis, if someone's, I don't know, if they've got flowers or something in their hair and it's not staying in. Make sure you pack extra, we call them bobby pins in Australia. Apparently no one else does. Hair slides, grips, whatever. Add those to the emergency kit. I would also definitely include some sort of antihistamine. Something that you can take if you are having some sort of an allergic reaction. I know I'm a huge hay fever sufferer. I carry them with me all the time because I just fall apart. If there's a cat there and I touch my face, I look like a freaking freak. Honestly, I'm like, 
the character out of Beauty and the Beast. Um, Quasimodo. So I, it, it's really dreadful. Also, I don't know if you've heard, I did mention this in the Facebook Live, if you happen to have seen the video. You know, Beyonce's sister, Solange, Solange, I always say it like Solange, she, uh, she had some sort of breakout on her wedding day and they had to whisk her off and give her some sort of, I don't know, antihistamine to get rid of the hives. It happens to everyone. Eye drops, another thing, paracetamol or some sort of painkiller, have I mentioned that? Also, I would say uh, a bit of dry shampoo is always great. Tissues, if you're wearing a perfume, great. Do that as well. Don't go overboard. And the one thing makeup artists always carry and actually wardrobe people in TV are baby wipes. And baby wipes are fantastic because they're mild and they can get anything, a stain off anything. If we had to do a quick change when we're on television, if we had to change our clothes and you get a bit of foundation or something around the, the neck of a, a piece of eye, uh, clothing, you would use a bit of a baby wipe to wipe it down because they aren't, they're not harsh. They haven't got a lot of chemicals on them because they're going on babies' faces. And uh, they're great for getting makeup off things. They also use them in shops, stores, to... Uh, Clean all of your shitty foundation off the clothes that people seem to put on and they don't give a shit. And then they put them back on the rack and you go in, you go, I want to buy a white piece of clothing. And you're like, I will choose to make them messy. I don't want to have someone else's face on my clothes. I've lost the accent. So anyway, that's another option. Gosh, that went on. As well as the emergency kit, you've got to make sure you have the correct underwear. If you're choosing to wear shapewear and shoving your body into one of those tightly... I mean, I'm not dissing shapewear. I've worn shapewear. Shapewear's great if you want to uh, hide some visible panty line or if you want to tuck your tum in or whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying don't wear shapewear. Just wear shapewear if you choose to wear shapewear. Don't feel forced to wear shapewear. I've said shapewear 400 times. Shapewear, right, 500, is great for many occasions, but it's also can be incredibly uncomfortable. So I would say in any situation to try the underwear on, like you try shoes on, and walk around and make sure that you can sit and make sure that you can get out of the shapewear to go to the toilet. That's also important. And make sure that it's not going to cut off your circulation to your extremities such as your arms or legs, you want to be able to use those. So if you were purchasing shapewear, 550, you can then, you know, I think you should try it out, walk around in it, make sure you're comfortable because so often so many people buy things because they look good and then they have a shitty time. This is not just weddings. This is informal occasions. You're watching girls schlepping down the street in the most uncomfortable shoes. Gee whiz. I think so many times people buy shoes because they look good and then they can't walk for three and a half seconds and then they look like idiots carrying the shoes, wearing barefoot. So make sure whatever you purchase is comfortable and is also sexy and fun and makes you feel good and you're not just wearing it because you think you should be. Oof. BTW, I fucking love sexy shoes. I'm not saying don't buy a heel, but I'm saying purchase a shoe that you can actually walk in and you enjoy wearing, not just because they look good. Everyone's obsessed with going, I'm going to buy a pair of Louboutins. And they're like, all right, well, you just spent 900 bucks. Can you physically walk down the street without looking either drunk or like you've just been born and you're a baby giraffe? If you can't, maybe they're not the shoe for you. Sexy, but maybe not. 
Sarah Jessica Parker, we are all not. Sorry. Last but not least is music. I think a lot of people leave music to the last minute. It can be very stressful trying to get a playlist together and figuring out what all of your guests would want to dance to a few days before the wedding. Now, that didn't happen to me, but I know a lot of people that have left it to the very last second or giving their DJ an inspiration list or coming up with their... Well, a lot of people have got their their first dance sort of stuff all sorted because that's something you think about. But then it's the rest of the night. And if you are pre-programming an, an iPod or... Do they still make iPods? Yeah. You know what I mean? Some sort of MP3 device. Make sure that you have enough music to go around and you really do your research. I've done heaps of episodes about wedding music and I think it's really underestimated how hard it is to program a really good playlist that gets people on the dance floor. So this is a much bigger conversation to be had, obviously, but it is a last minute thing to go through and check. And if you are doing your own wedding music to go through and get your wedding music into different groups like after dinner music or canapes music and dance music and really dance music. Like you want to make sure that there are songs that if you definitely want to be played. And this is the same if you have a DJ that you send the list and say these are the must plays. And then perhaps you then trust the DJ or band to go and do whatever they want to do. That's a really big one for communicating. If you just want to let someone else decide, if you have a DJ and a band that you go, I really love what they do, go nuts, except just play this one song for us and then we're cool. That's great. If you trust them and you want them to do their job, which is what you're paying them for, fantastic. But if you are doing that job on your own, give it plenty of time and also think about the mood and the atmosphere that you want to create. Don't leave it to the night before because you'll fucking hate yourself. There it is. That are, I don't know how many, I think I did eight or nine tips. (laughs) I got excited. I had too many. I need to go back and read them all and listen. But they are the last minute wedding planning lists to do's that I think a lot of people forget about. And look, they're not anything to be panicked about, but it's just good to be mindful of not getting stressed and panicked before the day when you can simply tick off these tasks, know what you'll be doing, be prepared without being crazy and alarmed. You don't need to do that and enjoy it. Just have a good time and make sure you surround yourself with people who are calm and going to help you enjoy it and allocate tasks to people that are going to be able to cope with them and not freak anyone out. Don't just give someone a task like managing the itinerary for the day because you think that you should give them a task if they're complete crazies. Don't do that. That's my last word for you. On Monday's episode of the Bride Chiller podcast, the wonderful Jess, Budget Savvy Bride, is back to talk all about wedding loans and budgets, how to avoid getting into debt and uh, losing your financial shit, basically. Very happy to have her back. She's a classic guest on the podcast, and I love her. She's fabulous. But we will be talking before then on Thursday with the Q&A Thursday episode. If you have a question, a thought, a comment, if you have something that I've missed off this list, I'm sure I've missed a bunch of stuff. This feels like 50 episodes I could do on this sort of topic. Get in touch. Visit thebridechiller.com. I love hearing from you. I love your voice messages. I love your comments. And I love your suggestions for future episodes. You are fabulous. Until next episode, happy days. Happy days.